This is 680 CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we will review the movie that features Hugh Jackman's final appearance as Weapon X, Logan. I'm Jeff Braun. Survivor and the Americans are back while the Sunny crew wrapped up another wild and crazy season. We'll talk some TV. And one of my favorite shows ever made its return this week, Broadchurch. First, it's the news. From the couch. This ain't gonna be easy. Not as easy as it used to be. Phone home. I don't know anything about Ryan. I don't care. Man means nothing to me. It's just a name. Welcome to Jurassic Park. This shark. Swallow Ladies and gentlemen, this is a flying saucer. As you can hear, Steven Spielberg has made some of the world's favorite movies over the past 40 years. He could retire any day now and sit on one of the best film careers in the history of film. But he's not done yet. In fact, he's teaming up with two others who've had pretty decent careers themselves. First up, Meryl Streep, who was just up for her 20th Oscar nomination for Florence Foster Jenkins. She's remarkable, isn't she? She can be a little flat. Flat? It defies medical science. Streep will be joined by Tom Hanks, soon to be seen in the cyber thriller The Circle. When we are our best selves, there isn't a problem that we cannot solve. We can cure any disease and we can end hunger. Imagine the human rights implications. The possibilities are endless. Hanks, of course, is no stranger to Steven Spielberg movies, having already done Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, and most recently, Bridge of Spies. The Russians want their man back before he cracks. We want you to negotiate the swap. I'm an insurance lawyer. I'm not sure I want to pick that up. Are you good at what you do? This will be a first for the both of us. You should be careful. This will be Streep's first Spielberg movie, and the first time she and Hanks have worked together. They'll star as Washington Post news folk in the 1970s, taking on the government with the Pentagon Papers. It was a Vietnam thing. Might sound a little dry, but by God, if anyone can make it exciting, you would think Spielberg, Streep, and Hanks can. No word yet on a release date. Knowing is good, but knowing everything is better. This is it, your bachelorette weekend. What's in my head? There's gonna be so many hot Miami babes. We are gonna be swimming in d girl. Hi, Alice. <laughs> Peter, hi. Hey. And get out of here, she's mine now. Mm. Don't get in too much trouble, okay? Yeah, I won't. The first trailer has arrived for Rough Night, and it's a Red Man trailer for this raunchy comedy starring Scarlett Johansson, who is ready for her bachelorette party. We don't get to see each other a lot because we're all so busy with our lives. Pippa, what are you doing for work these days? Well, singer-songwriter is the dream, uh, party clown is the reality. That's Kate McKinnon, who is apparently Australian in this movie for some reason. The other three members of the bridal party are Gillian Bell, who is in the Christmas comedy The Night Before, Ilana Glazer from Broad City, and Zoe Kravitz, who's been in lots of stuff. The five ladies rent a Miami beach house, and they're ready to throw down. Girls, I just got coke from the busboy. What? So everyone's in. Don't, don't, don't. I don't know. Stop being a stupid f***ing and do a little f***ing cocaine. 
Sorry, I did a little bit of it. And since it's a stagette, they gotta have a stripper. Oops, they killed the stripper. The movie looks hilarious in the spirit of movies like Bridesmaids or The Hangover, even though they kind of give away the entire movie in the trailer. Other co-stars include Demi Moore, Ty Burrell, and Dean Winters. Rough Night opens June 16th. My uncle's a lawyer. We should call him first. Sounds like this was an accident. Thank God. Just don't touch the body. What? What? Okay, so actually we have already moved him. That could be up to 15 years in prison. Oh my God. What? A new trailer came out this week for Fast and Furious 8. All right, team, listen up. This crew is about family, but the game has changed now. Dominic Toretto just went rogue. The Fate of the Furious, as it is officially called in North America anyways, sees Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto turning against his team for some reason and joining up with the bad guy, this time played by Charlize Theron. So it'll be up to The Rock and Michelle Rodriguez and the rest to bring Dom down and figure out what's going on. I know it looks bad. Don't give up on him so easy. We've only got one chance to make this family whole again. Don't do this, Dom. You ready? One thing I can guarantee, no one's ready for this. So yeah, Charlize is the big bad this time around, described here by Kurt Russell, who's a good guy. She's the very definition of high-tech terrorism. There's thousands of cars in this city, and now they're all mine. Now I know what it feels like to be every cop ever chasing us. Wait, wait, wait! What was happening there is that Charlize has some kind of computer that allows her to hack into all the cars in New York City and control them remotely. She sends wave after wave flying into the good guys literally dozens at a time. It's quite the sight. She even has them falling from the sky out of parking garages onto the streets below. Some of it's obviously CGI, but they do like their practical effects in these movies, so I'm sure they destroyed their fair share of real cars. They destroyed more than 200 in Furious 7. Nice. Speaking of Furious 7, the bad guy from that one, Jason Statham, is back in this one, much to the rock's chagrin. You want to tell me why you just put me in a room with this teen crumpets-eating criminal? You know, I think that tight t-shirt's cutting off the circulation of your brain. You should get bigger size. You guys are going to work together. Love to. Vin Diesel doesn't say much in the trailer. Probably a good thing, but he does get one outburst. London. Abu Dhabi. Cuba. Our paths have crossed before dawn. You just didn't know it. I think I need to remind you why you chose to be here. I got no choice! (laughs) Anyways, it's all very nutty. It looks like it'll be a ton of fun, and it won't be long now. The Fate of the Furious opens in theaters April 14th. Take the wheel. What? This is crazy! Alright, you get style points that one. Hang on to your All eyes on me. 
The latest trailer for the biopic about the late rapper Tupac Shakur arrived this week. The movie is called All Eyes on Me. The film is described as telling the true and untold story of the entertainer from his early days in New York City to becoming one of the biggest rappers of all time. Before he was shot and killed 21 years ago at the age of 25. An actor named Demetrius Ship Jr. is playing Tupac. And the movie also stars a couple of people from The Walking Dead, Maggie's Lauren Cohen and Michonne's Denai Guerrera, who plays Tupac's Black Panther mom. This ain't just about you. Like all black men, you have a bullseye on your back. They are gonna come after you and everything you love. They are gonna give you the tools that you need to destroy yourself. Above all else, could I know self be true? This film has had a tough go so far. It was first announced in 2011, but a number of directors have come and gone, including Antoine Fuqua and John Singleton. There were also some legal battles between production company Morgan Creek and Tupac's mom. It's had a number of release dates, but All Eyes on Me finally set to debut, oddly enough, the same night as Rough Night, June 16th, which would have been Tupac's 46th birthday. Let's get it. That is the news from the couch. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to home video this upcoming week. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. It's not easy for me to admit that I've been standing in the same place for 18 years. Well, I've been standing with you. I've been right here with you, Troy. I got a life, too. I gave 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. Don't you think I had dreams and hopes? What about my life? What about me? I'm Brad, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes, telling you now what is coming to home video this upcoming week. What's that, Jeff? That's a Viola Davis in Fences, and Brett, that is how you win an Academy Award. A very powerful performance, a well-earned award, and of course, uh, Denzel Washington also stars in Fences and directed it. And it's out on DVD and Blu-ray on Tuesday, and so there you go. I, I saw it, it wasn't my favorite, but it's not bad. 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Felt like I should just throw that in there. Based on a play, and it looks like a play. It's (laughs) real dull visually. 93% means it could have got 93. (laughs) If they all gave it 6 out of 10 reviews, still 93%. It's true. (laughs) I'm just being being a disturber of the piece. What a collateral beauty getting Will Smith get. Uh, terrible reviews. Yeah, and it didn't make any money. That guy needs a hit. That's out on DVD next Tuesday as well, as is the other bomb uh, passengers starring Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. That was a bit of a bigger bomb because people thought that would actually do something. That's a space one, right, where they wake up in deep space en route to some other planet. That's right. Yeah, they, they, wake, they wake up. Well, Chris Pratt early. wakes up early, and then he... Uh... He wakes up Jennifer Lawrence, and that's why people are calling this movie a little sort of, I don't know, they, they're creeped out by it. It's, yeah. yeah, it was a, it was a controversial film. It did, it made $294 million worldwide, uh, made just under a hundred million domestic. So at least it probably made its money back. Yeah. It looks like the budget was 110 million. Yeah. 
So based on that worldwide action, wouldn't be surprised if we see a sequel. Hmm. Uh, the other movie that comes out is the French movie from Paul Verhoeven called L, starring Isabelle Huppert, who is also nominated for an, uh, Best Actress Oscar, which is why I bring that up. That's out on digital HD as well, as is Marky Mark's Patriot's Day and Martin Scorsese's Silence, as well as a movie called Miss Sloan, starring Jessica Chastain. That's a Washington, D.C. gab fest type deal. Yeah, she was nominated for a Golden Globe for her performance in that. She plays really? a lobbyist. Yeah, I believe so. And uh, she plays a lobbyist who takes on the the gun lobby. And she might have bitten off more than she can chew with that. And a couple of highlights for Netflix coming March 17th. Iron Fist, the Marvel Universe returns to Netflix with the final sort of individual installment before they get together later this year for the Defenders. And Star Trek Beyond makes it to Netflix. Have you seen that one yet? Nope, I haven't seen the set. What was the second one called? Uh, Star Trek Into, Into Darkness. I haven't seen that one yet. That's the, the basically the Wrath of Khan. I didn't mind that one, the Into Darkness. That one kind of got a, was sort of not oh, really? favored hmm. by many, but I didn't mind it. I think I'd have to watch the first one of the reboot again, just because it's been many years since I've even seen that. Okay. I don't know. I know the had like real Spock was in that one, and I don't know how much timeline monkey business you'd have to remember going into the second one. Any oh, of it or not? I don't know that any of it that would really matter. Yeah. Uh, but it probably, it certainly couldn't hurt. I mean, yeah. it, what, it's not going to cause you any damage by watching that, that great movie again. Sounds like I got a triple feature in my future. <laughs> okay. In the meantime, uh, this past week saw the return of one of our favorite television shows. The most legendary survivors return to change the game again. I'm going to keep making big splashy moves. <laughs> I created the spy shack. I found a special idol. This time I'm fully loaded with brand new tricks. I'm the only person to win Survivor two times. My crown stays on my head. Survivor Game Changers, CBS. Survivor Game Changers on CBS and on Global. Trying to figure out what number of seasons. 34, I think. Number 34, wow. Is that okay. or 35? All right. So, yeah. oh yes, it is the, the 34th season. Uh, it says, according to the Wikipedia page, what'd you think? It was awesome. I mean, a two hour premiere, that was too long. And I thought they often do like a 90 minute one where there's one elimination. This is a two hour one with two eliminations. It was just a double episode. Yeah. And I think that probably has to do with the fact that CBS has March Madness coming up in a few weeks and mm. that tends to screw up the TV schedule for a lot of other shows, especially because it's on what? Wednesday nights? They get uh, basketball on Wednesday. Basketball is on Thursday. Well, they, even they, the first week? They used to, yeah, because they used to uh, always, Survivor used to be on Thursday. Okay. And then it would move to Wednesday to make way for March Madness. So I think that's why they finally just hmm. moved it permanently. Yeah, I, I'm not sure sense. why they finally per- moved it to Wednesday, but yes, uh, Survivor's on Wednesday, or March Madness first day is Thursday, usually. usually. All right. So, um, but yeah, the double episode I thought was, it was a little long. I don't know. But it was still kind of nice, I guess, to... to to get reintroduced to everybody yeah. because I couldn't remember who all of these people were. W- some of them were big players. Some of them were not so big players. There was, I did eventually remember everybody right off th- when I first saw a couple of people, I was like, no, don't know them. And then they'd talk for like 10 seconds. like, oh yeah, I remember them now. So <laughs> Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like Sandra a lot. She's won twice before. So that's going to be the thing is whether or not she can win a third time. And she's just going to be, she, she plays like, game where every week it's like, so long as it's not me. And she, she, you've never met somebody who really doesn't care who else goes home. Yeah. Just that, so long as it's not her. That was an interesting, I, I was sort of 
kind of refreshed by that honesty that she had. She said, I, don't, I really, really don't care. No. And it's interesting to see the, all these returning players who should be smarter fall under her spell. <laughs> She's a charming woman and you see that. And I, and I, it was, I'm glad that they brought her back because I've always, I've sort of often wondered why did she win twice? Because I forget, you know, you forget, you can't remember yeah, every yeah. single player. And then you see her in action and you go, oh yeah, it makes sense. I, I would g- like to go back and see who she was up against in the finals, both her winning seasons. Mm-hmm. If it was against like jerks that are like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it'll, cause it'll depend on the jury and that too. But I think nowadays we've seen the last couple of seasons, people are more likely to throw votes to people who are like, yeah, they played a good game, even though, you know, they stabbed me in the back. I'm not mad about it. I respect their game. Yeah. There's more of that than, you know, just bitter, oh, I hate you because you voted against me kind of deal. So that's going to make a difference uh, in the outcome. That'll be interesting. I also, there's two Sierras and a Suri, Malcolm and Ozzy. The, Malcolm got a lot of ta- talking time, so I don't know if he's just better at it and they're using him for the narrator if they're setting him up early to go deep. Looking forward to uh, what's going to be an action-packed season, I'm sure. Up next, we'll talk about Logan. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. The Wolverine. I'm a fan, by the way. Does she remind you of anybody? Rated R. Now playing. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. We both saw Logan this week. It debuted last weekend on March 3rd. Hugh Jackman stars for the final time as Logan, a.k.a. The Wolverine, who is a popular character from Marvel Comics from the X-Men side of the Marvel Universe. He is a mutant whose power is healing. His body heals itself from injury almost instantly, and because it heals itself, he takes forever to age. He was born in 1886, was around for the Civil War, and this movie is set in 2023, so he's almost 140 years old. In this film, something is happening with Logan. He is aging. He has scars which means his body is not healing itself as well as it used to, so something is wrong with him. Also, mutants appear to be gone, other than Logan and Professor X, a powerful telepath played by Patrick Stewart once again. There's no one else. Until they encounter a little girl with powers of her own, very much like Wolverine, and she is being hunted by what appears to be a shady government organization. Looks like she could be the key to survival for mutant kind. What'd you think of the movie? Uh, I, I liked it. I got to admit, I don't get really get all the fuss. Everyone's saying it's the best superhero movie ever and all this all this jive. I mean, it was a good movie. Most definitely one of the best X-Men movies ever, but I don't think it would even crack my top five superhero movies. Um, it was a little bit more mature and reflective in the execution than other X-Men movies, which I think is, you know, leading to all the fuss, but still pretty standard fare story-wise. I mean, the consequences are greater, but it's still about, you know, mutants trying to escape evil government forces that look at them like science experiments, like almost all the X-Men movies are. Mm-hmm. Um, the headline, of course has always has been that it's Hugh Jackman's last outing as Wolverine. And it's also an R-rated X-Men movie, which, because Deadpool had that uh, success with that last year. So this one's another R-rated movie. And for me, uh, the language is too much. 
<laughs> I don't mind swear words. I love a Scorsese movie. I love a Tarantino movie. Just let the F-bombs fly. But here, they seem like they crammed way too many in, and it felt like they were just doing it to make a point of doing it because they could do it. I did like the R rating, though, for all the extra blood and slashing that we've never seen from Wolverine's claws before. That was cool. I was actually not expecting to like that part of it because I'm not a gore guy or whatever, but I really like what they did with that there. So, <laughs> And I, I did sort of think the Dr. Peter Benton from ER, uh, Eric LaSalle is in this movie, plays a farmer. The The farmyard scenes, that was a little bit too much. It was, the action was good, but the, everything happening on that farmyard was just too much of a bummer for me in the end. Otherwise, though, I did like it a lot. So I'd give it three and a half Coach Cushions out of five. I Yeah, I'm right with you there. I would definitely not call it the best comic book movie ever, but it's definitely, I think, my favorite appearance uh, of Wolverine of all the movies that he's been in. I think this was probably his best uh, because I thought the, well, I, I have so much respect for for what Hugh Jackman has brought to the screen with this character over the years. Just so much intensity. Uh, you know, this doesn't happen, obviously, in all the comic book movies, but with actors, especially after they start to do them over and over and over and over again, because he's been Wolverine, I don't know how many times now, probably seven. At least I'm looking it up here. And first one was the first X-Men movie was the year 2000. So okay. it's been 17 years that he's been doing it. Yeah. So, okay. X-Men, X2, X3, and then there was X-Men Origins, Wolverine. There was The Wolverine, Days of X-Men Future Past. I think he was- He has one in, scene in first class. And yeah, and, that's right. And was he in Apocalypse at all? I, I think he had a scene in that. I haven't, I have not actually seen that no, one yet. I saw it and I cannot recall. <laughs> okay. Was he, did he was in Deadpool at all? Nope. All right. So yeah, there he goes. A ton of movies. Did, we did, we actually didn't. We didn't have to do the counting. <laughs> Wait, okay. I got to listen. One, <laughs> okay. two, three. We'll call it X. We'll give him Apocalypse, Wolverine, Wolverine, Future Pass, First Class. Eight. And, and now this, Nine. We're great at math. <laughs> uh, so he he just he brings so much intensity, and it never wanes over the course of any of these movies. He has respect for the character, and that shows in his physicality, the the amount of work that he has put his body through to make his physique look as I guess comic book muscular as yeah. possible, which I think is super impressive. I thought the the drama I thought was quite touching. His relationship with uh, an aged Professor X, I thought was tremendous. Patrick Stewart, it was nice to see him in the role of Professor X again. He was very good in this movie. And um, I agree with you as well that they they almost go out of their way to show how R-rated the movie is yeah. with the constant swearing. And I'm almost identical comment to you, Jeff. You know, I, I am not a prude. I like swears. I swear a lot when I'm not doing this show. Agreed. I am not... I didn't have a problem with the language because I'm getting old or anything like that. It just felt like a little overkill. And maybe yeah. it's just because we're not used to it from this character or Super, this world. Yes, yeah, comic book movies in general, we're used to them having to use the fake movie swears or the comic book fake swears, you know? Yeah, so it was... Oh, darn it. It just felt like a little much. Um, but I, I, again, I'm with you as well on the violence. I thought that's what they did with the violence. It was nice to finally see Wolverine be able to use his primary weapons. I mean, when you have three knives, three butcher knives <laughs> that come out of each, each of hand. your hands, yeah. it's hard to show him using them without the violence. They have managed to do it effectively. I, I recall a scene in X-Men 2 
where the the school is invaded and mm-hmm. he jumps on a guy and he buries both hands in this guy's chest as he's screaming in his face. Super intense. They managed to show that, okay, he just killed the guy with no blood. Right. But in this, <laughs> they did it. We can add the blood. And not only him, but this girl, Laura, this young girl, she has a bright future ahead of her because she was so ferocious in this film. Everybody making a horror movie that needs a little creepy girl is <laughs> calling her agent right now. <laughs> no, she was tremendous. So I think overall, I really enjoyed it. And we will also add as well, there's a, <laughs> there's a scene near the end, which just as far as the geography goes, they're in like this mountain range. Which, at, and they're supposed yeah, to be in North at Dakota. the North Dakota-Canadian border, which is simply not the f- case. <laughs> yeah. They, they're, they're looking out this, they say, see, about eight miles out. And again, they're in a mountain range. Yeah, that's the Canadian border into Manitoba. Or, well, they don't expressly it's say It's either Manitoba. Manitoba or Saskatchewan, though. But there's, there's no mountain near either of those. <laughs> so they kind of got that wrong, but I suppose they're assuming that no one knows anything about North Dakota yeah. or the Canadian prairies. Anyway, I still enjoyed the movie. I'll give it, I'm going to give it four couch cushions. But if you were at the box office and that Logan's playing and John Wick 2's playing, you only got enough money to spot, watch one movie, Brett. Which one are you going to see? Oh, well, I, to go back and see them again or yes. first time? Because you've... Oh. I'd go see. I go. I've already seen John Wick twice, and I go see it a third time before I'd see Logan a second time. I don't know how to answer that question. I think I'd actually go see Logan again. Really? Yeah. Because right. I, uh, I was sort of, I, I, I gave John Wick two, three couch, three and a half couch cushions out of five. Logan four. Not. I don't know. That's a tough one. I actually really, I don't really, ha- I think I'm having a hard time in this because I don't really have an interest in seeing either of them again. Oh, really? <laughs> not not immediately. So somewhere down the road, I'll see them both again. But right now I'm good. Fair enough. Up next, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of TV stuff. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're going to talk a little TV now, starting with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. hey Hey, what's, ah, what are you doing there, buddy? I'm trying to smoke these hornets to death so I can get their honey. They keep flying up in the tube, stinging me all my face. I think I just swallowed one. As I tried to explain before, you <laughs> cannot get honey from a hornet's nest. I just don't think there's any science to support that, buddy. There's some very basic science no. out there supporting that. Trust no. me, pal. One of my favorite comedies, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, just wrapped up its 12th season, 12. It's the FX uh, show about a gang of loser friends in Philly who run a dive bar and do a lot of scheming and backstabbing and just generally ruin the lives of everyone they come across. I can't believe it's been on as long as it has. It is renewed for two more seasons already, so there will be more. However, not everyone may be returning. Glenn Howerton, who plays Dennis, is doing a pilot with Pat Oswalt where they play teachers, and if that turns into a series, he probably won't come back to Sunny. He's also a writer and a producer on Sunny, and he simply wouldn't have time for both. Unlike Caitlin Olsen, who's also in Sunny, but also has a Fox show called The Mick. But on Sunny, she's just an actor and doesn't write, so her time commitment is not the same as Glenn Howard's or Howerton's. Um, anyways, the show has sort of left room for Dennis to leave at the end of season 12. It could go either way. I hope he comes back because they've laid a lot of pipe into making Dennis one of the creepier characters on TV. The season overall took a, a lot of bigger steps than this show usually does. Usually it's everything sort of reverts back to square one at the end of each episode. But this time, this season, uh, Mac finally came out of the closet. Charlie 
finally hooked up with the waitress after all these years. And there was this uh, one insane episode following the character Cricket, the homeless meth addict, and how he tried to turn his life around and how that didn't actually happen for him. At any rate, they are saying the break now between seasons 12 and 13 will almost definitely be longer than a year so we got some waiting to do before there's some more Philly and we got some questions that'll have to be answered before it comes back so that wrapped up that was big on my TV week and uh, one of my favorite shows came back this week it's called The Americans Do you think that you could ask them to tell you more about what they do? If people are getting hurt we have a responsibility We have to get them out It's not over If we move fast we might be okay What do you have? I'm so sorry, Mom. We're in trouble. I know. The Americans, the FX show following the adventures of Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese, a pair of Russian KGB agents pretending to be Americans living in Washington, D.C. during the 80s era Cold War. They have kids who are getting into the family business as well as the regular family drama that goes along with having a family. And their friend and neighbor Stan is the FBI agent trying to catch him, only he doesn't know it. Sooner or later he will. Now it's into its fifth season. It started up again this week. There will be a sixth season and then that'll be it for the Americans. Things will gloriously come to ahead sooner or later i'm sure it's very exciting because they're, they're doing like lost and breaking bad did setting that end date well in advance so they can write towards it appropriately and that plays into the american strengths because it's always been a show interested in steadily advancing its story it wants to move along it does not tread water again i always plead with everyone to watch it because the ratings are never good and you're missing out on what's probably one of the best shows on tv right now Definitely top three for me, and it'll likely only get better until it ends sometime next year. Well, and I still... (laughs) Still haven't seen it. Well, I remember (laughs) watching, seeing the promos on FX, thinking, that looks cool. I'm almost positive I actually set my PVR Mm -hmm. to record The Americans, at least that first episode, and it didn't take... The recording didn't take, and I so I missed it. And I'm the kind of I'm, I'm I can't I can't start in the second episode. No, I got to start. <laughs> and this is very much a show that needs to be watched from the beginning. So I have been wanting to see it, and I know that it was available on that streaming service, Show Me, which is now defunct, and it hasn't popped up on another streaming service. I mean, I guess I could just go buy the DVDs or whatever, but I I don't have like. <laughs> Uh, a whole bunch of money to go buy the DVDs. Apparently uh, it's on like American Netflix. So you'd think with Show Me being a thing of the past that it'll sooner or later pop up on Canadian Netflix. Yeah, I don't know if any of the FX shows are on Netflix. I don't know that. Don't uh, right up, that's just off the top of my head. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, who knows what's going on with FX shows. So I would like to watch it eventually and hopefully it, it does pop up in some sort of service where I can get caught up. They did do a marathon or not a marathon, but they did run all four seasons on FX in the previous weeks, but I don't have room on my PVR for well, how many episodes a season? 10 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have maybe 13. I don't have room for 40 hours of programming on my, my PVR. My PVR almost started recording a bunch of them over again. And I was like, no, no, stop. And I was getting, <laughs> and then I was having to look at original air dates. Cause I was like, I know the new one's coming up soon. And I don't want to not record that. So okay. It's been a whole thing with me and my PVR too. All right. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all time returned for the beginning of its third and final season, Broadchurch. My name's Ellie. I'm a detective with Wessex Police. You called about an attack? You did this to me. Did you see his face? 
We will find a man who attacked you. We need to move the investigation forward. We need your help. All we want is the truth, and we will get to it. Patricia's attacker has any connection to you. This will never stand up in court. Broadchurch is a British series that first debuted, I believe, in 2013. Uh, like British shows often want to do, they come on for one season, they disappear for God knows how long, yeah. and then they show up for a second. It's actually kind of surprising that we're getting a third season. There was talk that it would only go two seasons, but there was so much demand for a third one. The first season is it's set in this small fictitious town of Broadchurch. It's a murder mystery involving the murder of a child. So this is not, even as far as murder mysteries go, this is a dark series, but it is the first season of Broadchurch is actually, I think one of the best shows I've ever seen. Oddly enough though, I didn't see Broadchurch first. I saw the American remake of it. Fox did Grace Point. Do you right. remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually quite liked Grace Point, but it was, the fans of Broadchurch said it's not even close. And after having watched Broadchurch, I would—I don't know that I would say it's not even close, but I would say Broadchurch is superior than the American version. And the second season didn't quite work as well. I think it was still pretty good, but not nearly as good as the first season. So they're hoping that this third season is sort of redemption. And so far, so good. It's about a woman who is raped and they're trying to figure out who did it. So that's the mystery. It's just, it's an excellent show, but I think it was shot in 4K or I don't know what's going on. I watched or the first two seasons. that weird frame rate deal, maybe? Yeah, I can't, I, I had a hard time watching it. It really threw me off because I don't have a 4K television. So if it is shot in 4K and the effect is just weird, it's creeping me out and I, I my <laughs> eyes had a hard time adjusting to it. So that actually is making me mad, but I'm happy that Broadchurch is back. That airs Sundays on Showcase. Also, just got to quickly give you some bullet points here. This Is Us season finale coming up on Tuesday on NBC. Cardinal, I was telling you about uh, how much I loved that series on CTV. Yeah. It got renewed for two more seasons nice. uh, based on the books, the John Cardinal books by author Giles Blunt. And Game of Thrones, uh, they released a first teaser this week. Nothing new in it, really, other than some really neat animation. But the release date for Season 7, or the debut date, July 16th on HBO. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. This is 680 CJOB.